Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Bicknell. With me as always is my co-host, Robert Zirk. Today on RC360, we'll find out how family group conferencing changed a young woman's life. Learn how she's giving back to Mama Way, which is helping to provide solutions for supporting and rebuilding families. Then, the Wave Interlake Artists Studio Tour is happening this weekend. We're going to speak with Rosemary Miguez, one of the artists hosting guests on June 10th and June 11th. We'll also speak with Paul Marlene, the artistic director of the Agassiz Chamber Music Festival, to learn more about what the festival has in store to commemorate Canada's 150th. And last but not least, we'll be joined by the CEO of the Winnipeg Foundation, Rick Frost. We're going to be talking about their new partnership with the True North Youth Foundation at Camp Manitou. We've got all this, some great music, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Good afternoon, happy lunch hour, welcome to River City 360, Nolan and Robert here with you today. Robert, how's your week been thus far, my friend? It's been a busy week, but it's been a good week. That's good Um, to hear. I've been helping out Noah Ehrenberg, the convener of Community News Commons, Mm -hmm. with some CNC audio storytelling workshops. Ah, How's that been going? We've been doing that for a few weeks now. It's been going pretty well. Um, We've been looking at a few of the recordings that some of the students have made in class and we've been kind of putting it together to create some stories so i'm really excited about it and hopefully we'll hear some of the we might hear some of those stories on an upcoming episode of river city 360 very cool normally we have noah Ehrenberg on this program to talk about community news commons but uh, this week we're just too full of great content and great interviews and, and, and more information that we can really shake a stick at here so we had to bump noah he feels okay with it. I've spoken with him. He's all right with it. There's no ill will, no hard feelings, uh, but we'll hear from Noah Ehrenberg next week for sure. Uh, our first story today, we are going to be uh, learning. Stacy Cardigan-Smith is going to be coming into the studio, and she's going to be teaching us. We're going to be learning about family group conferencing. Now, this is a program out of Mumway, which really helps um, young women with new pregnancies or pregnancies that they are maybe not equipped to deal with on their own, figure out a way to get support and, and um, just help help them in a difficult time. It's a really interesting story, and I can't wait to learn a little bit more. So Stacy will be coming in right after our first song. Why not Dean Martin? Somewhere there's a someone right here on River City 360. Somewhere there's a someone Someone's heart, I know I hold the key Somewhere Somewhere there's a someone for me 
Till I find a love that's true For I know somewhere There's a someone for me For I know somewhere Thank you for listening to River City 360. Nolan Bicknell here with you today, and we're now joined in studio by Stacy Cardigan-Smith. She is a senior producer here at River City 360. Stacy, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Nolan. So tell us a little bit about family group conferencing and, and what it's all about. I will tell you about family group conferencing, but first I actually want to um, introduce you to a woman who's been impacted by family group conferencing. Her name is Angeline Spence. So I recently met her and her two children. She's got Jade, who is 14, and Mitchell, who's eight. And I met them at Mama Way. And I'll let her tell you about her experience. When I was younger, I became permanent ward in CFS at the age of eight. Um, I had 11 siblings that went into the system. So um, while growing up, I never really got close to them. Um, At the age of 16, I got pregnant with my daughter. And uh, I didn't really have that much support because I didn't really know my family that well. My worker at the time um, told me about this program to help me with, uh, you know, raising my child and having the supports and the knowledge that I could be a better parent. So I moved in there at 16. So what she's speaking about is family group conferencing? That's right. Family group conferencing, or FGC as it's sometimes called, uh, works with families whose children have been or, or, or are at risk of being taken into care. It's run by Mama Way, which is a charitable agency that provides Indigenous solutions to supporting and rebuilding families. So FGC, it's an Indigenous-based and an Indigenous-led process that was actually gifted to Mama Way back in 2000 by the Maori people of New Zealand, which is kind of interesting. So it works by shifting the decision-making to the family and to the community. And it does that by gathering a large uh, support system around the children. So um, you you heard Angeline talking about moving into the facility and a stipulation of moving into that facility, which is called Isabel's Place and is run by Mama Way, is actually undergoing a family group conference. So as I mentioned, FGCs work by empowering families in the decision-making process. Um, So for Angeline, though, she had so very few people in her life that could offer that support, or so she thought. Here's Angeline again. So I just had about three people, like, my sister that I was close to and a support worker which I didn't know it was kind of like um, someone who got paid to like help me. There was my daughter's dad who I kind of just knew him I didn't really know his family very well so he was one of my supports. Angeline's FGC coordinator Jackie Anderson asked if she could reach out to others um, on Angeline's behalf. Jackie still works at Mama Way today, and she's the Children in Care Coordinator. And she's actually still really close with Angeline. Here's Jackie. I remember her walking into that room, Angeline, and she was very nervous because she didn't know what to expect. And uh, there were 17 people around the table for her. And majority of them, it was the first time she had ever met them, was at her family conference. And I remember how powerful it was when they were going around the room 
and they were they were um, introducing themselves you know like you know my name is Beatrice and I'm grandma to Jay or to to baby that's coming you know um, and then just saying who they were and how they were connected to baby you know and and their plan was extremely powerful you know everything was looked at and to look at Angeline at the end of that to like just to see that the stress and anxiety of becoming a young mom was completely gone because she knew that she had all of these people that were going to be here to help her. So what it sounds like is she went from thinking she would have basically only three supports in the room to having an entire 17. That's very uh, inspiring. So what else happens during the family group group, group conferences? So for Angeline and her family, the family group conference, it took almost an entire day. And by the end of that day, everything was figured out from who would be with Angeline at the hospital to who would teach her how to budget and help grocery shop. Because keep in mind, she was only 16, right? And to who he would even, you know, offer breastfeeding support, which for a new mom is like very critical. Here's Jackie Anderson again. Whether it's family supports, whether it's the parents, whether it's us as the mentors, everybody holds a piece of the puzzle. And it's about facilitating and bringing all of those together in order for our families to be successful when it comes to them developing their plan. So it's basically like the old, the old adage, it takes a village to raise a child. That's right. And, and the other part is that family group conferences, they really focus on the child. So even if there are other issues that the family might be struggling with or like fighting about, there might be conflict, you know, the family is able to move past that for the sake of the child. Here's Jackie again. What we see with the model is that it, it gives more personal accountability to the, the parent or participants and the family, you know, because they're now empowered and committed to a process when it's focusing on the children. So it's, it's focused on, you know, what the parents need in order to be successful, but it's always about the children. So regardless of what's happened in the past, it's about moving forward to make sure that they have a strong support system and a strong care plan um, to be able to have these children back with family. As we heard, FGCs also help develop relationships that might not otherwise exist. And those relationships can be so important. Take Angeline and her daughter Jade. Even though Angeline and Jade's father are no longer together, Jade's parental grandparents, so her father's parents, play a huge role in her life and in Angeline's. And remember, before the FGC, Adeline, uh, Angeline hadn't even met them. That's incredible, actually, to, to be able to put people together that otherwise wouldn't have been together through this program alone. That's pretty cool. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's so moving. And I think there's, often people think they're alone, right? And this just really, like you, sometimes if you're, you're in a bad place, you feel uncomfortable reaching out for that support. And FGCs do that for you. And it's, it just, it can change lives. We are speaking with Stacy Cardigan-Smith, learning all about family group conferencing. And when we come back after this short musical break, she will tell us more about Angeline Spence and her story. Stay tuned. I love you For sentimental reasons I hope you do believe me I'll give you my heart I love you 
And you alone were meant for me Please give your loving heart to me And say we'll never part I think of you every morning Dream of you every night Darling, I'm never lonely Whenever you are inside I love you For sentimental reasons I hope you do believe me I've given you my listening to River City 360. We are in studio with Stacy Cardigan-Smith and we are learning all about family group conferences and Angeline Spence's story. So Stacy, you were talking a little bit about Angeline's uh, life before she entered into these family group conferencings and, and how did it change after she sort of uh, experienced these, these meetings and got the uh, assistance that she needed? Well, really like she was able to break the cycle of cfs involvement in her life if you think about it like she was 16 she had been on um award um of the province since she was eight years old she had only three supports that she could self-identify with and um and one of those was her was her counselor like her support worker that had been assigned to her um so really like odds were if she hadn't had this support system developed again she 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 probably her her children would have been born into cfs care so without that support there's a very good chance that the lives of both angeline and her children would be very different today here's angeline i believe when my daughter was eight i kind of looked at her and i'm like i don't know i thought to myself i'm so glad that she doesn't know the way that way you have more success if you have more supports in your life when you if you have a child. Today, Angeline works at Isabel's Place, helping young women in the same way that she was helped. I kind of got drawn to the field where I wanted to make sure that um, our young people were keeping their kids, um, especially our young Aboriginal women, because um, I really feel like um, 
just because where you came from doesn't mean that you can succeed and accomplish things and also to break that cycle. So clearly family group conferencing has changed the lives of Angeline and her children, but uh, how many others has, has this program helped? Well, to put this into perspective, there are currently about 11,000 kids in care in Manitoba, and 90% of those are Indigenous. Jeez. Yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking. So family group conferencing rates of reunification are very high. According to MomAway, of the 62 admissions of children in 2014-2015, 49 of those were reunified with family. So that's a reunification rate of 79% and an annual cost savings of $1.16 million. Wow. Yeah. So family group conferencing is currently available to young, mo- young moms in two of Mamaway's programs. One is Isabel's Place, which is the program Angeline went through. And the other is called CLOUT, or Community-Led Organizations United Together. And that's a short-term foster care program. By the sounds of it, this seems like win-win across the board. It's empowering people to be able to take care of their families on their own. And, and it brings in people that can potentially help them from their extended family or whatever. But how, how is there going to be more people to, to access this type of program? Well, the foundation, the Winnipeg Foundation, is making a million-dollar grant over three years in support of the program. With this funding, Mamaway anticipates being able to work with more than 1,100 children between 2017 and 2021, and that will result in a cost savings of more than $26.5 million. So Mamaway is looking to hire an additional six staff uh, for a total of nine devoted to family group conferencing. And according to Jackie Anderson, who again, she was um, Angeline Spence uh, family group conferencing coordinator, and she now is the children and care coordinator with Mamaway. But according to Jackie, that support can't come soon enough as they're getting calls almost daily from community members or different agencies that want to get a referral into the program. Here's Jackie. That is our vision is to strengthen families and build their capacity because we know they have the strengths. They know what it is that their family needs, you know, and it's about giving them that opportunity to uh, to sit together and for them to be the decision making. And whatever comes out of that care plan, there is a team on the outside that's there to help them be successful. Families sometimes struggle, but that shouldn't dictate the rest of their lives or their children's lives. So Stacey, where can people find out a little bit more information about uh, about family group conferencing or about uh, Angeline's story? Well, um, we actually have a longer story in our magazine, which comes out next week. Um, so you can uh, give us a call at the foundation offices, 944-9474 and request a copy. Or you can go online um, to wpgfdn.org to read more. Perfect. Thank you very much, Stacey Cardigan-Smith. Thank you. Thanks, Nolan, and thanks again to Stacy Cardigan-Smith for that story. Coming up after the break, we'll speak with Rosemary Miguez. She's one of the many artists participating in the 16th annual Wave Interlake Artist Studio Tour this year on June 10th and 11th, and it's also going to be taking place again on September 2nd and 3rd. We'll have more information about that after this short break for a song, which is the Clark Sisters. They're going to be playing Boogie Woogie right here on RC360. <laughs> Thank you. 
listening to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you today, and we're now joined in studio, or I guess by phone, by a very special guest. We've got Rosemary Miguez. She's one of the artists from Studio Number 8, and she is going to be talking about the Wave Interlake Artists Studio Tour taking uh, place this this week, this coming week, June 10th and 11th, and also September 2nd and 3rd. Rosemary, thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you very much for getting a hold of us. So for, this is the 16th year that this, uh, that this tour is happening. What can, what can people expect if they are to participate uh, coming up to the Interlake this year? Well, you know, it's really great. You pick up a brochure. Basically, you head out highway number 7, 8, or 9, and you can create your own adventure through the Interlake. There's a wonderful brochure that has a map in the back. And so what you can expect is a, over 30 artists who have opened up their studio for people to um, come in and to chat, meet us face-to-face. What's really wonderful about the tour that I think, um, which is really the heart of the tour, it's an opportunity to make those personal connections with, with the artists in our spaces. Absolutely. where we do the work. Absolutely. What do you think what do you think about uh, Manitoba that uh, that creates such excellent artists and especially in the Interlake region? Oh, I have no idea. You know, maybe it's just the uh, the beauty of the surroundings and the fresh air. That sounds crazy, but you know, no, absolutely. And the lake and and you know the concern for the lake. It sort of draws out um the interest, I think, in people, and it pulls maybe on that creative side to you. How can, what can we do for this? And, and as artists, I feel that artists have a, almost an important role to step up to the plate and say those things that need to be said, to share what needs to be shared. For example, one of the, one of the women, um, Gail Halliwell, she, uh, she just says that the, the lake is like, blood through her veins oh wow you know um linda goodman does this beautiful work with gems and and ruins and so she shares that 
Yeah, there's all sorts of different sort of artists and, and different art styles. So mm -hmm. what, what? Give me give me an example. There's a huge list on the uh, in the in the brochure, but give me a sort of a breakdown of what different types of art and artists that are showcased during this event. Well, of course, you're going to get your pottery. <clears throat> That's almost the first person you're going to get is is, is Alan uh, with pottery. But you're going to get pottery and that woodworking. Um, there is l beautiful jewelers. <clears throat> clay works there's one woman who does glenda does this beautiful stuff with windows and she she redoes the old windows and um makes them uh come alive again with beautiful art pieces within them and uh i think that is absolutely like refreshing you know then you have your photographers and again you know they care about the land and they care about the lake so you've got your beautifulness of the of the photographers mm -hmm. coming through um and and every photographer comes and sees the interlake from a different perspective there's one woman raven who um she her her photographs are untouched as she calls it so there there's how she made it perfect yeah yeah so, well, Stained glass. There's stained glass. And we also have a woman who does, it's called Art by the Yard. And it's, it's art that you can pick up and learn to do on your own, but then she makes these beautiful, beautiful creations that are there for, for people to, uh, to observe, look at, and buy. It sounds like a lot of people are, are deriving inspiration from nature and from the natural world. Talk a little bit about your art. I understand it, begin, it becomes with rock and sand and kind of incorporating those elements. Correct. How, do, how, does your, how does your art work? Okay, how my art works is I mix sand into gesso. <clears throat> gesso is an acrylic compound. Oh, okay. And sort of like so, a rough, rough paint almost? Or what would it well, be? you know, when you, when you get a canvas, uh, to, to set the canvas, you use gesso so that your colors will not bleed through to the other side of the oh, canvas. Okay. <clears throat> so it's it's like a, a pre-paint that goes on top of the canvas. So one day, by fluke, I mixed them in together and loved the feeling. And so I began on, a little bit on paper, but I began on canvas. Mm -hmm. And I've sort of, um, what it is is a lot of relief work, and my work also works with uh, light. So how does the light come across the painting or behind the painting or above or below? Yeah, it's, it, it sounds like you work with, a lot with glass and mirror and, and things I like that. I have moved my canvases from, from, yes, I've gone from canvas, you already know, I've gone from that onto glass and onto mirror. And, uh, <clears throat> and I also um, have moved that into nature too because one of the focuses that I'm doing this year is around the forest. Mm -hmm. And so I have wood and glass and mirror together very cool very cool it mm -hmm. sounds like i'm just kind of looking at some photos of the wonderful brochure on the website at uh, you can go to watchthewave.ca for anyone that's curious there's Correct. some great great photos of a lot of the artists here um for for those who maybe are interested in in this uh event but haven't ever gone what would you say to those people I would say that you're going to need both weekends. Mm -hmm. I would say pick up a brochure and um, make a plan. If you see in the back of the brochure, there is a map, and it has four or five different little inserts of different areas. And so I would pick an area a day and spend some time because uh, this year we're calling it face-to-face. -face. 
And what that means is it is that engagement of conversations with, you know, how we conceive the art and how do we plan it and then how do we bring it to fruition. So if you're new on the wave, it's really nice to just take your time and don't try to do um, all approximately 30 studios. There's three or four of them that are only open in September. So you'll see in the brochure again at the back that you'll see where it says June only or September only. And the ones that aren't marked, that's for both. So I would say take your time because you're going to want to talk Mm -hmm. to and share. Because believe it or not, we get inspired by people uh, the general public, the visitors coming and asking us and talking to us, and then suddenly they'll just pose a question or make a comment, and it's just like an, a, an entire new painting sort of erupts from inside you. Wow. I, can, yeah. I imagine it's quite the little community that has been uh, evolving over the last 16 years. It and, is. And there's probably always room for more, so I would love to encourage people to check oh. out check out the uh, the event this year, both on June 10th and 11th and mm-hmm. September 2nd and 3rd. Correct. Is there anything else you'd like to tell me about the Wave Interlake Artist Studio Tour for 2017? I would like to. This is something that I think is really important. In the digital age, which we now live in, isn't it, I think it's very refreshing and engaging and inspiring to meet face-to-face. You I, know, I it's, it's that personal piece Mm-hmm. that you're just looking into each other's eyes. Not through a text or an email or a... Exactly. Yeah. And it just, you know, yes, it's wonderful to share the information through the digital, but isn't it nice to look at the pictures that you are doing on the Internet there and then coming down and meeting us in person? Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. That's a conversation you won't get in the digital age. And I think that it's refreshing that we are still hosting these face-to-face events. Couldn't have said it better myself. So the Wave Interlake Artist Studio Tour taking place, like I said, June 10th and 11th from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. and then again September 2nd and 3rd. So go to the website. You can check watchthewave.ca. There's the brochure on there. You can check out the, the map, the artists, the brochure, all of the above, and make sure to go check out Rosemary's artwork as well because it mm-hmm. sounds very phenomenal. Thank Rosemary Miguez, one of the artists from Studio Number 8 this year at the Wave Interlake Artists Studio Tour. Thank you so much for talking to us today. You're welcome. Have a great day. Bye for now. Thanks, Nolan. And if you'd like more information about the event or to have one of those wonderful brochures that you can find on their website, you can visit McNally Robinson, DeLuca Fine Wines, or all travel Manitoba locations. You can also download, as we mentioned, the brochure on their website, which is watchthewave.ca. Coming up after the break, I'll speak with Paul Marlene, the artistic director of the Agassiz Chamber Music Festival. He'll tell us all about how the festival got started, some of the local and internationally renowned talent that'll be performing, and all about the lineup that they have for Canada 150. Should be very interesting to learn about that, so be sure to stay tuned. Before we get to that, how about Music Makers? by Paul Grosny, right here on RC360.
Thank you for listening to River City 360. Robert Zirk here with you in studio, and I am now joined via telephone by Paul Marlene. He is the Artistic Director of the Agassiz Chamber Music Festival. Paul, thank you so much for joining me today. Happy to be here. For our listeners who maybe aren't familiar with the genre of chamber music, what exactly is chamber music? Chamber music is generally music for, I guess, two, three, four, five, up to maybe ten players which uh, doesn't involve a conductor. So for me, one of the great strengths and attractions of chamber music is that it's very personal. So in a way, the players all have their own solo voices and solo lines. Unlike an orchestra, it feels like the players are playing directly to you if you're sitting in the audience. So it's uh, it's very up close and personal. It's a a little bit more of an intimate sound than what you might get from an orchestra, basically. That's true. Also, um, because generally chamber music concerts are played in smaller halls than, say, a symphony hall, like Centennial Hall, um, it means that the performers are much closer to the audience members, so actually the experience sometimes can be as intense or even more intense because the sound is so powerful, simply because you're, you're so close to the performers. So you started the festival yourself in 1999? Actually in 2000. Okay. Was, was the first festival we see. You're right, we started organizing it in uh, 1999. How did that come about? What drove you to start this festival here in Winnipeg? Well, interestingly enough, in the first year, we had two artistic co-directors, David Stewart, who was then the professor of violin at the University of Manitoba, and I was professor of cello at the University of Manitoba right then. So we were friends and, and colleagues. And we were rehearsing one time, and David picked up a newspaper, it was the Winnipeg Free Press, and there was an article talking about classical music and music in, in the summer and complaining that there was no classical music at all taking place during the summer in, in Winnipeg. And we decided that we could maybe do something about that. So we started planning a festival and we found that whenever we spoke to people about this idea of starting a, a summer music festival, chamber music festival or art music festival, there was huge enthusiasm. It was a big success right from the first year, and now we're in our 18th year, and we have a, a wonderful following, fantastic enthusiasm from the audience, and it's, it's really a blast every summer. What exactly can people expect? What's on the lineup for this year's festival? Sometimes people who, who haven't heard a lot of chamber music or classical music feel that it's for maybe wealthy people or people who, who know a lot about classical music. Well, for me, I think classical music... I like to call it art music, actually. I think it's it's one of the most powerful experiences you can have in life, to hear a really wonderful performance of a chamber music piece by Brahms or Mozart, partly because you're so close to the, the performance. It's a little bit like experiencing a, a Monet painting for the first time. They're masterpieces that have uh, survived for hundreds of years. In the case of Bach or Mozart, let's say 300 years, because they're such powerful creations. And when you partner these kind of works of genius, these amazing pieces of creative art, together with some of the world's leading performers, which I think is what we're, we, we, we love presenting at Agassiz, it's such an amazing experience. The festival is is a one-week festival from Friday to Friday, starting the 9th 
Friday the 9th of June, finishing the 16th at the University of Winnipeg in Eckhart Gramate Hall. It's a very friendly environment. Uh, you can just dress exactly as you like. And there are concerts uh, every evening except Sunday evening. And there's a whole range of different music. We're celebrating Canada 150. So we're including music from all of the different ethnic groups that, that perhaps would have made up Canada. So music from France, from Germany. Uh, there's a Jewish music concert. There's a uh, music uh, celebrating the new generation, next generation. There's uh, music from Vienna. And then the last concert is celebrating the great outdoors. So you'd hear a huge amount of music. There are a few amazing performers that are coming. Martin Beaver, internationally celebrated violinist from Los Angeles. Dave Harding, a wonderful viola player from Pittsburgh. Award-winning Winnipegger Joshua Peters uh, is also coming back to town from uh, Montreal. Wonderful violinist. And Manitoba icons Carl Stoby, Pat Carabray, Leanne Zacharias. And one of Britain's leading pianists, Martin Roscoe. So uh, there's a fantastic lineup of artists, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. If people are interested in attending any of the concerts, where can they get, go to get tickets or more information? You can find tickets at McNally Robinson Bookstore or by calling 475-1779 or at our website, which is agassifestival.com. We also have a Facebook page and on Twitter, so we're easily found in social media. Excellent. Well, it sounds like a sounds like a wonderful festival, and hopefully our listeners will be able to check it out. So that is taking place starting tomorrow, June the 9th, and running all the way through the 16th, and people can get information at agassifestival.com. Paul, I yes. want to thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. It's great to talk to you, Robert. Thanks, Robert. Coming up after the break, we're going to be joined in studio by friend of the show and CEO of the Winnipeg Foundation, Rick Frost. Uh, we're going to be talking all about camperships and Camp Manitou. But first, Russ Morgan cruising down the river right here on RC360. Sweet refrain The winds around Don't make a sound Like softly falling rain Just two of us together We'll plan a honeymoon Cruising down the river On a Sunday afternoon
Listening to River City 360, Nolan Bicknell here with you today. We're now joined in studio by Rick Frost. He's friend of the show and also CEO of the Winnipeg Foundation. Thank you for joining us, Rick. Great to be here. So we're having you on the show today to talk about camperships and Camp Manitou. Uh, Camp Manitou founded in 1930 on land that was actually purchased and donated by the Winnipeg Foundation. But I understand that the role of the foundation is kind of changing in how Camp Manitou is going to be uh, uh, run from here on in. So uh, how exactly is Camp Manitou's role in or how is the Winnipeg Foundation's role in regards to Camp Manitou changing moving forward? Well, you're right. We bought the land at the foundation. We bought the land back in 1930, and it was in partnership with six service clubs and the Y. The Y ran it for many years, up into the 1990s. And the volunteers uh, raised money from these service clubs. They raised money. They volunteered their time. Um, and really, the city's blessed to have this fabulous facility of 30 acres right on the edge of the city. Uh, thanks to the hard work of the volunteers over so many years. Um, so we have to really begin by paying tribute to them and each of the service clubs that were involved. Um, going beyond that, uh, the service clubs have basically approached us and, and, um, and said that, um, you know, that they would like to see a change in, in the ownership structure. And, and so basically the Winnipeg Foundation will populate the board of um, Camp Manitou so that it's there in perpetuity. And the responsibility does not rest with the service clubs, but rather, rather rests with the foundation. The Winnipeg Foundation, of course, is a trust. We hold millions of dollars in about 3,500 different trusts. Um, so this is going to be another one of them. Um, and, and so from that perspective, it, it sort of uh, assures that uh, our grandkids can go and their grandkids can continue to go to the camp. So a little bit more stability and just a, a little bit more. They don't have to worry about that side of things. They can That's just right. focus on making the kids have a good time. That's right. And hopefully the service clubs will continue to provide some money and some volunteers for the camp. I'm sure that's important. Absolutely. So I understand that the True North Youth Foundation has taken over programming and operations of the camp. So what does that partnership with the True North Youth Foundation mean for uh, Camp Manitou and for the Winnipeg Foundation? Well, I think from, uh, first of all, I think it goes back probably two years ago that True North got involved directly in the, in the op actual um, programming side, which is fabulous because, um, you know, they have a lot of experience. And, of course, the, 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 uh, the Jets bring a lot of, and the Moose bring a lot of uh, credibility from a kid's perspective. So it's great that, the, that True North is involved. They have um, essentially a 20-year operating agreement. Um, I think there's 18 years left on that agreement, and we'll undoubtedly be talking to them um, about their plans. Um, there is a proposal um, or at least a presentation going to happen at our board of directors so that our board is up to speed with what True North has in mind in terms of programming. 
So we're very excited by that partnership. They're a very professional organization, and it's and it's great to know that uh, that there's someone uh, who's actually going to run the the programs at the camp. Uh, that's the, obviously the role of the foundation. Yeah, as soon as you see True North attached to anything or see that Jets logo or the Moose logo, kids have got their eyes just that's light right. up. Their and eyes are going to be it. wide open for sure. So the foundation supports dozens of different camps and camperships and and Camp Manitou specifically, but why why are all these uh, camps and camperships an important part of what the Winnipeg about what the Winnipeg Foundation does? Well, we've supported camps for many many years and. Um and obviously going back all the way to 1930 when you hear about the Camp Manitou story. But eight years ago, we started a campership program with its own application system um, to basically encourage summer, sort of the joy of summer for kids. Everybody remembers going to camp as a kid. Um, so we're getting regular applications. This year we received 90 applications under that stream. We were able to support 78 of them. So we've got a, a pretty strong uh, commitment to that. Uh, we I think the total approval was $420,000 that we're spending, um, sending kids to camp. And all that money would go in different ways. Some of it is just day camps in the city, so they're not overnights. And then others would be actual overnight camps. The week-long ones? Are, or, yeah. yeah, going away. <clears throat> so there's um, other types of programming, of course, that all ties in. But $420,000, a fairly significant investment in this area. And over the last um, seven or eight years, I, we would have spent about two and a half million dollars. So it's a it's a significant investment. We think uh, summer camp experiences are really important for kids. And what about you? Did you go to camps growing oh, up? Oh yes, yeah. who didn't go? Yeah, for sure. It's uh, very. You always remember those fabulous experiences as a as a kid sleeping in a tent for the first time and. You know, the mosquitoes and the ticks mm-hmm. and all the things that happen at camp. I love your some of your Twitter or your tweets that you send with the grandkids playing out at the at the lake and stuff, really heartwarming stuff. So it's good that a next generation of kids are able to uh, experience that kind of, uh, of a lifestyle growing that's up. That's right. That's right. They can learn about poison ivy and poison oak <laughs> and what the differences are. Hopefully not the hard way. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> so where can our listeners learn a little bit more about camperships if they have grandkids or, or kids that, uh, that want to get involved? Well, of course, I always encourage people to look at our website, uh, um, you know, and look up Camp Manitou right off the bat. We have to be careful. We send people to Google on Camp Manitou yeah. because there's a there's a Camp uh, Manitou in Ontario, which oh, is a geez. different camp set by Perry Sound. So make also sure called it's the Manitoba camp Manitou. one. So make sure it's the Manitoba one. Um, and um, and certainly you can Google obviously Camp Manitou. But start with our website. They can look up the True North Foundation. I'm sure they'd find some information there as well. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, Rick Frost, for talking to us today about camperships and about Camp Manitou. Appreciate Great to it. be here. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks, Nolan. We've got time for one last song right here on RC360. So how about For You, For Me, Forevermore? Here's Judy Garland and Dick Hames right here on RC360. For you, for me, forevermore. It's bound to be forevermore It's plain to see We found by finding each other The love we waited for I'm mine and in our hearts 
lovely world this world will be With a world of love in store For you, for me, forevermore For you, for me, forevermore It's bound to be Welcome back to River City 360. That was Judy Garland and Dick Hames with For You, For Me, Forevermore. And now we'd like to share some community events that are taking place next week. Two out of the three of these events are happening right next Thursday. So if we waited until next week to tell you about them, it'd be a little bit short notice. So hopefully by us sharing these a week in advance, If you're interested in these, you can get these into your calendar because they are all some very interesting events and definitely worth checking out. The first one we're going to highlight right now is called Making Treaty 7. It takes place next week, Thursday, June 15th at 7.30 p.m. It's a theatrical performance that takes you on a journey through the historical significance and the current relevance of the treaties. Tickets are available online. They are pay what you can, and they are going fast, so be sure to visit the website, which is makingtreaty7, that's the number 7, makingtreaty7.com. And again, that's taking place next week, Thursday, June 15th at 7.30pm at the Royal Manitoba Theatre Centre downtown. And speaking of downtown, the Winnipeg Public Library is holding a walk next Saturday, June 17th. There are two sessions that you can choose from. One is taking place from 10 to 11 a.m., the other one from 1 to 2 p.m., and it's a walk with Sir Hugh John MacDonald. You can't see it, but I'm doing air quotes. The role of Sir Hugh John MacDonald will be played by radio host Ron Robinson, and it's a walk from Dalnavert to the Millennium Library. 
So again, that's happening Saturday, June 17th from 10 to 11 a.m. and again from 1 to 2 p.m. Space is limited and registration is required, so be sure to call 204-986-6450 to register and uh, the walk begins at Delnevert, 61 Carlton Street. One more event that you might be interested in, it's called Time Razor 150 Winnipeg. And so what that is, is it's an auction, but instead of bidding with money, you're bidding volunteer time. And you could potentially receive some original art in return. So that's taking place at the Graffiti Gallery on Thursday, June 15th. And you can find more information about that at timeraiser.ca. And if you have any community events that you would like us to share on River City 360, feel free to give us a call and leave a message with the information. Our number is 204-944-9474, extension 360. Or if you prefer email, you can always drop us a line. Our email address is rivercity360 at wpgfdn.org. a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you so much for tuning in and a huge thank you to all of our guests for talking to us both in studio and over the phone today. If you'd like to hear more views and news from around Winnipeg, listen to any of our past episodes, or subscribe to our podcast, please visit us online. The address is rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM. And we always love to hear feedback from our listeners. Please give us a call. Our number is 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can also uh, send us an email at rivercity360 at wpgfdn.org. Feel free to leave us a comment about the show, request a song, or suggest a topic for a future show. That number again is 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can search us out on Twitter and Facebook if you're so inclined as well by searching at RiverCity360 on Twitter and RiverCity360 on Facebook as well. I'm Nolan Bicknell, signing off for River City 360. And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have a great day and a great weekend.